And as you're turning there, I just want to express my sincere gratitude for the privilege of being here. It is an honor to partner with Forest Baptist Church in the work of the mission. And what you saw on that slideshow was just a snippet of what the Lord has allowed us to be a part of. And we are so excited about what God is doing in Africa to raise up the next generation of global missionaries to go to the edge of the world, bringing the good news of our good God and Savior, Jesus. So Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be reading together in verses 32 through 40. The Word of God says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and women received back their dead by resurrection. But some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's pray together. Our Father, we recognize that you are the God of the ages. You are the one who was and is and is to come. Lord, you are the God of every tribe and tongue and nation and language, and you mean to purchase for yourself a people from every one of those tribes and tongues and nations and languages. But God, we recognize this morning that the task of bringing that multitude into your kingdom has been given to your disciples. You have sent us to proclaim the good news because they would be saved if they would call, but they cannot call if they can't believe, and they can't believe unless they hear, and they can't hear unless it's preached, and they can't preach unless they are sent. And so, Lord, here we are. Send us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, one of the reasons we decided to come back to the U.S. for the months that we've been here was so that we could be home for the holidays. As we finished up Christmas and New Year, you know, you recognize that in this season we've been singing a lot of songs. And sometimes we as Christians will get a little bit frustrated because the songs that we sing can get a little bit mixed. On one hand, we'll be singing about the Jesus who was born in Bethlehem and the the silent night and the holy night. We'll be singing about the Emmanuel that has come to dwell with his people. But then on the other hand, we'll be singing about there's no place like home for the holidays and chestnuts roasting on an open fire and and snowmen and, and sleigh rides and all those things. 
And sometimes we can get frustrated by that because we think that we're missing the reason for the season. That we're, that we're talking about all of these things about home and family and all the comforts and, and conveniences when we should be talking about Jesus. But, but this particular season, my family has come to understand that that's not necessarily two different things. You know, because God created us to long for home. And when we got on a plane and came back to Kentucky for the first time in about four years, and we saw the green hills, and we smelt the fresh air, and we, and we got to see family and, and familiar, there's just a feeling that comes over you. Now, don't get me wrong, Africa is a beautiful place. We got to see the, the great Victoria Falls. Maybe you saw some photographs of the falls, or we got to see the Matopo Highlands, we got to see the, the eastern Manyanga Mountains, and we got to see the, the Lovell, we got to see the beautiful parts of Zimbabwe, but we all know that feeling, that there's no place quite like home, especially when you've been away for a long period of time, and, and all the things that you've been around have been, familiar, or, or have been foreign to you, and they've been new experiences, and it takes a lot of effort to sort of adjust yourself to a new culture, and it feels good to just come and be home for a while. And that's, that's the feeling that we get in the text this morning when we come to the book of Hebrews and we read about these who have been going through lots of persecution. The, the author of Hebrews is writing to a group of people who had a Jewish background and yet they had found Jesus. And so by coming to Jesus out of a Jewish background, they'd come against a lot of persecution. They come against a lot of ostracizing and a lot of marginalizing because they're, they're no longer part of the tribe, so to speak. They'd grown up in the, in the temple. They'd grown up in the Torah. They'd grown up at all the feasts and the festivals. And now all of a sudden they're following this teacher who was talking about a different way. And they found themselves on the outside. And you know, when you're, when you're on the outside, the temptation is always going to be to go back to what's familiar we want to go back to what's safe we want to go back to what's comfortable after all who is this Jesus anyway and that's the temptation they're facing as the author of Hebrews writes them this letter and he comes in over and over throughout this letter and reminds them that you now have a new home you now have a new definition of comfort. That if you go back to the things the way they were, you will no longer have a sacrifice left for your sins. But if you are willing to lay your life down and follow Jesus, you will find the home you were created for. And that's our big idea this morning from this passage, is that home has a new definition for the believer. That home is not about a geographical location. Home is not about even a particular people group. Home is always where your obedience is. I want us to notice here, first of all, the way that home in this text is determined by obedience. Look in verse 32. The author says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, 
enforced justice, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, and become mighty in war, putting foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And so notice here, first of all, the way that the author is describing these people who have gone through all kinds of great exploits in the name of faith. From the beginning of chapter 11, he's been walking through what some would call the hall of fame of faith. Those who have trusted the Lord and trusted his promises to such a degree that they have followed him anywhere and everywhere. Beginning with Cain or from Noah and Moses and Abraham and, and David and all these different figures throughout history. And they all have one thing in common. And here at the end of this hall of fame and faith, of faith he gets to kind of a rapid fire. He says, look, I'm running out of space here, so let me just go through some names that you might recognize. Gideon, Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel. Now, if you're sitting in heaven and you're one of these guys, you're probably getting a little bit irritated. Uh, because, you know, you got several paragraphs uh, for some guys, and now you get to the end, and, and all of a sudden, you just kind of get listed in the also-starring kind of section of, of, the, of the book. And he says that they did great things, that they conquered kingdoms, they enforced justice, obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions. I don't know if Pastor Nate shared with you that on one of his first trips, some of the men, and I don't know if he was part of this group, but they decided that they were going to go walk with the lions. Uh, so there's a park there in our town where you can go walk with the lions. Now there's a fine line between courage and stupidity and some of those guys may have been flirting with that line just a little bit but I'm sure they had a great story to tell right they had they had a wonderful experience to come back and share with people they don't want to get an also starring on that story they don't want to get just a footnote of a mention but I think the reason the author of Hebrews is doing this is to remind us that these men are not the stars these men were not the point. Because you look at Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel, and of course, they did wonderful things. But they had some skeletons in those closets as well. You look at Gideon, and he put the foreign armies to flight, but he also built the golden ephod and bowed down to it. You look at Barak, and he was a great commander of the Lord's armies, and yet when the Midianites came... He ran and found Deborah and said, I need your help. Samson was a, a great and mighty warrior on behalf of God, and yet he laid down with the Philistine woman and, and got his hair cut. Jephthah, he was a, also a warrior on God's behalf, and yet he was the one who made the rash and foolish vow. And so on and on we could go through all of these different names and see that they did indeed great things, and yet they were also merely men. My good friend, Dr. Curtis Woods, liked to say they were just decorated dust. And that's the story about every single one of those in the Hall of Fame of Faith. And that's the story about every single one of us in this room. There are no superheroes in the mission of God. You may look at a foreign missionary and say, wow, you're doing great things and, and you're taking great risks and, and you're really laying things on the line for the Lord. But listen, it's one part of an entire body. 
And one thing that we want to stress to you this morning is if without you, the body of Christ in Louisville, Kentucky, we would not be anything as the body of Christ in Weiru, Zimbabwe. And in fact, if you think about the body, we, we would just be an extremity. We would be not even a finger, but just a fingernail laying down there on a table without the body, the hand, the finger, the arm, the shoulder, the, the body, the brain that moves it. And we need your partnership in what we're doing. And, and not just in your prayers and in your giving and in your sending, but also in your coming to assist us in what we're doing. But also it reminds us that you don't have to think of yourself as a superhero to be involved in the mission of God. You don't have to leave your zip code to be a part of this faith. You don't have to go and do some massive exploit and stop the mouth of a lion or put foreign armies to flight. It might just be going down to your local grocery store and starting a conversation. It might just be going down to the ball fields and building some relationships. It might just be sitting across that dinner table during the, the holidays and, and beginning to care and love your family towards Jesus. You don't have to be some kind of superhero because obedience is not a, a geographical location. It's not about being some sort of uh, filling some role that you see as the ideal role. Obedience is home is where just obedience is. Wherever God has placed you, you are part of his mission. But notice here, secondly, we see that home is not only determined by our obedience, home is also what drives our obedience. Look in verse 35. He says, women receive back their dead by resurrection, but some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So the second thing the author begins to emphasize here is that when you decide to obey Jesus, he may take you to some difficult places. And that your idea of home is what will drive you through those difficult places. You start reading about armies going, being put to flight and mouths of lions being stopped and all these wonderful things happening. But then you come down to verse 35 and the membership role begins to shrink. You know, when all these great things are happening, we want to sign up. We want to be on that team. But what about the torture? What about the mocking? What about the flogging? What about the rejection and the persecution? That's when people begin to count the costs. And we begin to understand what Jesus was talking about when he says that the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and many will find it. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. The author of Hebrews agrees with Jesus that if, if you would follow him, you must take up a cross. 
And you will be hated for my namesake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so the grounds and the motivation for persevering through the great hardship and difficulty is the fact that you will one day have a new home. Look what he says. They refused to accept release. Why? So that they might rise again to a better life. You know, one of the greatest challenges we're facing right now on the African continent is that Christianity is growing at a breakneck speed. And you say, well, how is that a challenge? Well, it's a challenge because the type of teaching and the type of theology that is being promulgated across the continent is largely coming from some of the sources that we might not want them to come from. The number of pastors that are trained in theology and in church history and in biblical interpretation is very low. And so what they do is they turn on TV and they see a preacher and they say, let me do what he's doing. Let me say what he's saying. Or they get some book that we don't know where the publisher's uh, or what kind of publisher it's coming from. And they read it and they say, well, this sounds right to me, so let me go out and preach this theology. And the result is that the prosperity theology is running rampant. A theology that says you need to have your best life now and God wants to give you an increase and God wants to give you a breakthrough and God wants to give you a deliverance and whatever situation you're in if you'll just cry out to Jesus he will give you all the desires of your heart. Well how do you how do you explain that theology to a single mother of eight who lives in a a mud hut and who is laboring every day doing piecework just to get some money to put food on the table and to maybe put her kids through grade school knowing that the entire time they go through grade school that even if they finish 96% unemployment in the country there's no chance or very little chance that they'll have gainful employment or a gainful way forward in their life how do you explain to that woman who's trying to provide for those eight children that she's having her best life now. I hope her best life is not now. And I know her best life is not now because the Bible teaches us that in Christ we are a new creature looking for a new home. And our hope that we offer to the Zimbabwean people is not a hope that one day their government's going to change or one day their economy's going to change and one day the political situation is going to be stable. The hope that we offer them is a kingdom that is coming in which there will be neither death nor crying nor pain anymore. And the author of Hebrews says that is the hope of the Christian. The hope of the Christian and what drives us through the tough times and what drives us through the difficult times is knowing that we have a new home and this world is something we are just passing through. Now one thing we've recognized since we've been back these few months is that the world is broken no matter what continent you're on. You don't have to go to Africa to see broken homes. You don't have to go to Africa to see poverty. You don't have to go to Africa to see political corruption and greed and and all of the injustices and the inequities in life. And maybe there are some of you here this morning who are in that place of obedience and you recognize what God has called you to and and you're facing the trial and you're facing the difficulty. And maybe you're at a place this morning where you just want to say, it's time to throw up our hands and quit. 
But the author of Hebrews is encouraging you this morning to press on towards the upward prize. To throw off the sin that so easily entangles and to run with endurance the race set before you, looking to the author and perfecter of your faith, who, through the joy that was set before him, put on the cross, despising its shame, so that he might receive victory. And the home that he purchased for us is the home that determines our obedience, but is also the home that drives our obedience. But notice here, finally, this home is what will be delivered by our obedience. Look in verse 39. He says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had pro provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. So he closes out this passage here by saying that not only is home something that is determined by your obedience and something that drives your obedience, but home is actually the end result of your obedience. He describes the fact that those who have gone before in the faith have indeed received some of their reward, but their reward has not yet been delivered in full. You get that? You understand this morning that those who have died in Christ... Paul says, are indeed with Jesus. Those who have been died with Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But as one theologian says, heaven is important, but it's not the end of the world. Because you know that Jesus promises that when he returns, he is going to bring the souls of the departed and he is going to raise up their bodies from the dead and their souls and their bodies will be reunited for an eternity in a new heaven and a new earth. And when you read through the book of Revelation, you see that the centerpiece and the glory of that new heaven and that new earth is a people that has been purchased by the Lamb. A people from every tribe and tongue and nation and language gathered around his throne, singing and praising Jesus for eternity. Heaven is not yet finished. He's still working on that building. He's still building it on our behalf. And you know that it was through the obedience of these faithful saints that, that we have been brought into that building. You know that it was, it was up to Adam and his obedience for you to be saved. It was up to Moses and his obedience for you to be saved. It was up to Abraham and his obedience and Samson and his obedience and David and his obedience and all those faithful saints to bring about the promised seed, the Messiah. And of course, the greatest example of obedience that we see in the scripture is what we've sung about earlier. That Jesus, who was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself and he made himself nothing. And he took the form of a servant and he became obedient. Even to the point of death. Death on a cross. It was through the obedience and the faithfulness of our Lord, and our Lord and Savior Jesus that we are brought into his kingdom. And then when he is raised from the dead on the third day, he looks at those who would follow him and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. You know that somebody had to leave Jerusalem and go to Judea. Somebody had to go to Judea and go to Samaria. 
Somebody had to leave Samaria and go to North Africa. Somebody had to leave North Africa and go to Europe. Somebody had to leave Europe and go to North America. Somebody had to leave North America and go to South America. Somebody had to go from South America and go back to Africa. And all through the ages, obedience has been building the kingdom. It was someone else's obedience that brought the gospel to Louisville, Kentucky. And brought the gospel to your maybe great-grandparents. Maybe your grandparents. Maybe your parents. And maybe even you. But you know, there's another side to that coin. That just as it was someone else's obedience that brought you here, it will be through your obedience that God draws someone else into his kingdom. There are countless thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people around the world who have yet to hear the name of Jesus. And it will be through our obedience to give, to pray, and to ask God, where would you send me and how would you have me go in order for those people to be brought in? My wife loves to quote Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Have you asked God lately, what is my Ephesians 2.10? What are the good works that you have prepared for me to walk in? What is the obedience that you have prepared for me to fulfill? Because we're working on that building too. If it was up to me, I don't think I would have entrusted this treasure, this amazing, eternal, glorious gospel to these fragile jars of clay. But God in his wisdom has chosen to use the foolish things in the world to shame the wise, to use the weak things of the world to shame the strong, to use the things that are not to shame the things that are. And God has chosen to entrust the precious gospel of his son Jesus into these fragile jars of clay. And so we look and we ask, how can we serve? Because home, it will be accomplished by our obedience. A few weeks ago, my family had the privilege to go and spend some time at the beach. And one of the things we missed while being in Africa or in Zimbabwe is a landlocked country, so we didn't get to see much beach or ocean. So while we were there, my kids were building a sandcastle. And my daughter, Juliet, was, was working on not just a castle. I mean, this thing was an elaborate kingdom that she was building. And as she put this thing together, she looked at her little brother, Jonathan, and she said, Johnny, you need to get over here and help me build this kingdom. Because if you don't help me build this kingdom, you're not a part of the kingdom. I said, well, she needs to start preaching whenever I go places. Because she's, she's explaining exactly what the author of Hebrews is saying. That if you are part of his kingdom, you will help build his kingdom. That apart from those who have yet to be brought in, his kingdom will not be perfect. That they are still yet to be brought in through the gospel. And so my challenge to you this morning is to ask, what is my Ephesians 2.10? What are the good works you have called me to do? And then to look forward to the home that he has called you to long for. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with being home for the holidays. There's nothing wrong with sitting around the fire and enjoying family. And, and all of those things are good. But the Bible says that those are just a foretaste 
Those are just a shadow of the things to come. And in fact, they are actually, they are actually insufficient to fulfill you. Because if you chase those things as though they are the ultimate, they will leave you like cotton candy. It's there for a minute and it's sweet, but then it's gone. But if you see them for what they are, they're just signposts pointing you to a better thing to come. Then you're willing to lay everything down at the feet of Jesus and say, here am I, send me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we thank you for the call to obedience. Lord, we recognize this, this morning that in this room there are some that you are calling to yourself. Some who are living for this life and, and living for the things that they can accumulate for themselves here and now. But you are calling them to lay those things down and to give their lives to you and to trust in Jesus. And Father, we recognize there are others in this room who, who perhaps know you and are serving you but are com coming to a place of discouragement and a place of wanting to throw up their hands and quit and so Lord we pray that you would encourage them Father give them a picture of the home that they have waiting for them Father the picture of, of a new heaven and a new earth and a glorious new creation that they will be with you for eternity in and Father drive them to obedience because of the hope of the future Father, we recognize there may be some of, of these in this room who you are calling to an Ephesians 2.10 moment where they ask, Lord, what are the good works that you have set before me? And Father, I pray this morning that you would make it clear to them what those good works are. Father, if it's taking an orphan child into their home, if it's going to a local establishment and beginning to build relationships for the sake of the gospel if it's going back into the workplace this week and and in this year with a renewed sense of mission and purpose that they are going to share your word intentionally that they're going to start gospel conversations and tell people about the hope that can only be found in Christ father I pray that we would all be laying our lives before you as the body of Christ saying here we are send us Show us the good works you've called us to. And Lord, we do pray for the work in Zimbabwe. Lord, we know that you are raising up a mighty army. You're raising up a, a force of mission laborers that the world has never, the likes of which the world has never seen. And so Lord, we pray you would continue raising up those leaders, that you would continue enabling churches like Forest Baptist to send and to pray and to give. Father, that these leaders would be trained and that they would be raised up and sent out to the ends of the earth to preach the good news. And Father, that the, the feet that are lovely upon the mountain, as Paul talks about in Romans 10, that those feet, we, we are confident, that go to share that good news, those feet will be African feet. And we pray that you would help us as we raise up those leaders to that end. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.